Hi babes, welcome to Tea and Glitter the podcast. If this is your first time here, hi, so nice to meet you. I'm Evelina, better known as Ivy of the Les Vixens. I'm a lesbian burlesque performer and I've spent my entire career learning how to own my body, my identity, my sensuality, my sexuality, my life, and to empower others to do the same. On this podcast, I spill the tea and give you all that gay girl glitter on how to live a more peaceful, pretty, productive, and happy life. Speaking of happy, I'm so dang happy you're here, and I cannot believe we made it to the eighth episode. Just get used to that, guys. Like, I'm going to be shocked at every episode. I'm going to be like, wow, I can't believe we made it to the 140th episode. Here's hoping. I want that. I really, really want that. You know, I feel incredibly grateful because I'm in this kind of perpetual busy season and it's not slowing down. And that feels really good, honestly, because I work really hard to create something out of nothing you know, not just with this podcast, but like with my troupe, with the Vixens, with our shows and with like the glitter grind and other things in my life, I'm creating out of nothing and then somehow making things happen. And while life do be lifing at me sometimes, (laughs) and it can be a total challenge to navigate it all. For the most part, the glitter grind is just this incredible dream that I get to live and like bust my ass for, but it's so worth it. You know, I don't know if you know, but I'm telling you, it's worth it, in my opinion, for my life. So yeah, I guess that's the only opinion that matters. Look at that. (laughs) Anyway, like today, before I sat down to record this episode, I was at Medieval Times, ruling the realm and riding a horse as the queen. Now, I know the writers for this particular show did not intend for the queen to be queer, but the show revolves around the fact that this queen rules the realm completely alone. No king, no love interest. And when her authority is questioned, she totally shuts that shit down. And also when another character is like, ooh, your majesty, look at all these handsome and eligible knights, the queen is like, and the fuck does that have to do with anything? Which I love. So I know it wasn't intended to be like a queer fantasy, but when I, a flaming lesbian, is playing the role of the queen, I feel like these lines, you know, they just hit a little bit harder. (laughs) And then after hanging out with you guys and recording this episode, I'm off to girl the party to shake some ass for the gays, girls, theys, bays, fems, thems, thems, and whoever else shows up to girl the party. What's girl the party, you ask? If you've never been, what are you doing with your life? Girl the party is the largest, longest running queer women's weekly event in the country. What a badass accolade, honestly. I love that so much. And the fact that we do this every single week to the scale that we do is completely unheard of. I travel the country. I see lots and lots of uh, lesbian events, lots of queer events, and there is nothing like Girl the Party. You know, it's often imitated but never duplicated, but I'm actually totally on board for the imitation because I think we, the country, the world needs more safe, sexy, awesome queer spaces. So imitate away, but the particular flavor we have, it's like you can like recreate the recipe, but the sauce won't taste the same. You know what I'm saying? But like, so the specific taste of Girl the Party is like nothing, nothing like, there's nothing like it. (laughs) And it's my favorite thing ever. I'm so grateful I get to do it every single week. And also when I'm there, like shaking ass and I have people yelling over the music, telling me that they love this podcast. Like what? That's so amazing. It's so fulfilling out there because I'm like dancing my heart out in front of all these homo hotties. And to know that some of y'all are actually like listening to this, you're listening to me talk to you and share my thoughts and my feelings. God, like how crazy. It's just awesome. Thank you so much. So it's the best feeling and I'm mind blown every time someone stops me on a show to tell me that they're listening to the podcast. So if that was one of you this weekend, thank you. I love you. 
And speaking of this podcast, last week's episode on femme invisibility was probably my favorite to date. I know I keep saying that, but this one really hit and it meant a lot to me. And the fact that it resonated with so many femmes, like I had so many messages and comments from femmes that were like, I feel seen finally. Like, this is my experience. This has been such a confusing part of my life. I'm like, yes, this is why I'm doing this. And also, I had a lot of mask lesbians message me and say that they better understand the femme plight. And so basically, I'm out here doing the Lord's work. And speaking of the Lord's work, this episode is going to help you get a girlfriend. Or at least I'm going to give you my best advice as a professional gay on how and where to meet girls, how to flirt with them, how to approach a girl out in the wild. And we'll see what else I have time to talk about before I have to head to girl party. Because I also want to share my advice on like how to handle your first lesbian relationship, your first queer relationship, and some of my best relationship advice in general once you do land a girlfriend. So there might be a part two to the girlfriend episode because I'm one of those people who is overly optimistic about the amount of time I have for things and therefore I'm late to everything. It doesn't mean I disrespect people or their time. It's just I'm a a very optimistic person and just don't understand that things take longer than they do. And I think I have plenty of time when I don't. That might be happening with this episode. So look for a part two. We'll probably have to do that one, but um, I'm excited about this one. So let's get into it. I've been on the gay scene for a long ass time and I have dated a shit ton of women. Wow, I sound like a slut. Okay, how about I, I've dated my fair share of women and I also run a burlesque troupe of queer women and I've traveled across the country performing in gay bars. So I have seen and experienced the good, the bad, the ugly, the dramatic, ugh, the drama of dating women. I'll tell you what, it's not for the weak. So buckle up, babies. It's a ride. It's a journey. Women are a lot. But if you're brave enough and ready for it, let's do it. I've also gone to a lot of therapy, thanks in part to dating said women, LOL, at my life. That's fine. And I've learned a thing or two about myself and about life and about healing and relationships and all of that. And of course, as a burlesque performer, I am trained in the art of the tease and the flirt. So I will share a few of the tried and true tricks and tips that I have used to land girls and that I've seen work for other gays. Because you know what? When I'm on stage, it is the best people watching of any place in the world. Like performing, you think I'm just like up there doing my thing. No, no, no. I'm watching all of you. (laughs) So I also know it works because I've seen it. I've observed. I'm like a uh, queer anthropologist out here. (laughs) But let me preface this by saying that I am in no way cool or smooth. I just play someone cool on TV. And in actuality, I'm a bit of an introvert. So this masterclass on getting a girlfriend is in actuality, the blind leading the blind. So that's your disclaimer. Listen at your own risk. But to be totally honest, everyone is weird and no one is actually cool. That's lesson number one. If someone appears to be too cool, they're putting it on a front and they need to get over themselves. So don't worry about being cool because no one is cool. You know what I'm saying? Trust me on this. I work with some of the hottest women in the industry and they are all awkward and nerdy, every single one of them. And then they have dated the quote unquote cool girls and those girls are also not actually cool. They're all weird. They're all weird. So relax. Everyone is weird. Okay, so before we get out there and start swimming in this sea of queer babes, I think the first thing you need to do for yourself is to figure out what it is you're looking for and what it is that you want. By which I mean, are you trying to meet girls so you can have some hookups? Are you trying to get over your ex by getting under someone else? Would not recommend that, FYI. Are you trying to meet girls to be in an actual relationship? Like, do you want a girlfriend or are you just wanting something casual? Which I hear that a lot. People just just want something casual. 
That's fine. And of course, like after you meet someone, your initial thoughts on this can change, of course, naturally. But I think it will save you a lot of pain and a lot of drama and it'll save the other person or the other people lots of pain and drama and bullshit if you get as clear on this as you can with your current level of self-awareness. Speaking of self-awareness, another thing you need to figure out is if you are actually ready to date. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that you need to be completely, perfectly healed, you've completed 10 levels of advanced therapeutic achievements, you have absolutely zero emotional baggage, and you've never had an ex in your life in order to be ready to start dating. That's ridiculous. And no one is actually ever completely healed. I do think that it's an ongoing journey in life, you know, the process of healing, because Life doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's not like you've gone through one thing in your life that you had to heal and then everything else was perfect. And also you don't have to be totally over your last ex or the three before that in order to move on and start dating again. And we're actually going to be talking about breakups, makeups, getting over exes and healing from all of that in an upcoming episode. So if that's something you're struggling with right now, like I've got you, just give me some time to get that episode out. But I do think that's going to be an interesting one. Breakups, makeups, also lesbians. Y'all go back to your exes a lot. I think it's because our dating pool is so small. Anyway, we'll talk about that in that episode. I'm going to stop talking about that now. We're going to get back to this episode. Okay. So the fact is that there are times in your life that you were just too messy to date. And you need to be aware of that. Like it is the reality that sometimes we are too messy to be dating and it'll just add to the mess and make things completely unmanageable and create a lot of unnecessary hurt and bullshit. So take a good look at what you have going on in your life right now and where you're at and see if it's a smart move to start involving other people. For example, if you are still hooking up with your ex and you're actually very actively still in love with said ex and you would die for them and do anything to get them back. Maybe figure that out before you get out there and start dating. You know what I'm saying? That could be something worth taking some time to resolve before you start involving other people. I speak from experience, my guys. I'm going to tell you part of my history that I am less than proud of, but I've learned and I've grown. And maybe this will help some of y'all not make the same mistakes I've made. So learn from my mistakes, kittens. I was a consummate people pleaser for a long time, and I also didn't know how to handle grief. I'm going to probably make a few episodes about people pleasing and the stages of grief and all that because I have a lot to say on that. I learned a lot in therapy about these things, so keep an eye out for that, um, But for, for those episodes. But for the sake of this episode, I'm not going to go into like a lot of super detail about what all that means. However, one of the stages of grief is denial, right? Denial is a river in Egypt. And part of denial is handling and or mishandling and or avoiding pain in ways that may not be the healthiest. So for example, like someone who is using drugs and alcohol heavily to mask the pain, that is a form of denial. But for me, after a heartache or a breakup, I would get stuck kind of in the the denial phase of grief and completely ignore my pain and all the other things that I should probably have been processing. And instead, I would jump from one relationship to the next, which I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people do this. It's a very common way to protect yourself from feeling any pain. Like instead of taking the time to actually face the pain of a breakup, process it all and actually heal and deal with it. Cause you can be healing, but you also got to deal with it. But I would just hop, hop, hop onto a new relationship to give me some dopamine and some serotonin and to mask the pain and to help me distract me from the pain. Right. You know, by which I mean, I would rebound to avoid the pain, but I'm not, um, I'm not a casual person, right? So like these rebounds would turn into a relationship without fail. Like, oops, 
my bad. I thought this was just going to be fun for a couple weeks. No, no, Evelina, get your shit together. I did. I did get my shit together. I don't do that anymore. Anyway, but the thing is the grief was, was not gone, right? And the processing that was necessary for healing wouldn't happen. And then all of a sudden, instead of just a fun rebound with, yay, yummy chemicals, this feels really good. I'm in a new relationship with all the love and attachment and, and struggles of a new relationship and a new person without ever having processed or dealt with the old one. And I would justify this to myself in a million different ways, but I have learned that justification in this regard is also part of being in denial, right? It's all part of protecting yourself. You know, justifying is just another way to not take responsibility and accountability. So like picture all my emotional baggage, if you will, if you, if you can picture that much, if your imagination goes that far. (laughs) But anyways, picture my emotional baggage from every relationship as like a suitcase or 30 suitcases, depending on the relationship. And then picture me tossing that suitcase, just like, it's like nice and heavy, but I just toss it over my shoulder onto a pile of other suitcases, right? That are all behind me. And then I go, ah, that's better, right? And then those suitcases behind me, like just picture them, they're like kind of menacing, right? They're just piling up and piling up. And I keep ignoring them until they all come crashing down on top of me. Yeah, don't do that. Talking to you. Talking to me as well. I don't do that anymore. Okay. You guys should not do that either because the fact of the matter is, is that it's way more helpful to unpack those suitcases before adding to the pile. And that doesn't mean that everything has to be absolutely perfect and that everything in the suitcase needs to be unpacked and resolved and put away and all of that. Because like, honestly, who does that? I also have, I have like 15 suitcases right now, like looming over there that are just full of show stuff. So try not to look at those. I need to unpack those. We need to unpack our emotional baggage and I need to unpack my actual showgirl suitcases and not just dump them on the floor. Oh, you know, we're not perfect out here. We're still learning. We're still growing. But basically what I'm saying is that these suitcases don't have to be perfectly unpacked, but don't let them pile up to the point where if they fall, they're going to bury you. It's a disaster. Trust me. And even if you feel like you're not in love with your ex anymore, right? Like you would never want to date them again. You're totally over them. The fact remains that an ending of any kind requires some processing of grief. Like I'm going to say that again, like an ending of any kind requires some processing of grief. So even if you're totally over that person, the end of something still requires you to go through something to process it. There, there's grief, there's anger, there's disappointment. There's all these things that, that like happen. And if you just completely ignore that, not a good idea, my friends. You know, it's still smart to give yourself a little bit of time to breathe after. And like, I'm not saying that you don't have, like, that you can't start a new relationship soon, but just, just take into consideration these thoughts. Like, have you unpacked that suitcase enough that you can move on? You know, just the thought. And I I am speaking from experience because I no longer live in denial after relationships. I do take some time and I don't overlap or just jump into the next one because it feels good. You know, I'm like, ooh, yay, this is gonna, I don't, I don't have to feel sad about this. I don't feel anything about this. Like, this is what I want. I want fun. Like, let's just go into that. I don't do that anymore because I learned a few things about my life and, and relationships. And I also learned that doing that bit me in the ass so fucking hard, man. And that's not fun. You know, it's not fun to be bit in the ass <laughs> unless you're into that. No judgment here. But I learned that it was actually easier to deal with my shit before adding to it. Wow, what a concept, right? Like it's actually easier to face the pain head on and process it and instead of pretending it doesn't exist or using another person to distract me from the pain. 
I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. I didn't realize that, you know, my rebounds were, that's what I was, that that was my drug of choice. You know what I'm saying? And when that hit me, when that all clicked through therapy and stuff, man, did that fuck me up for a second. I was like, shit, I have been, that's not, that's not good. That's not good. That's not good. You know, the idea of avoiding pain, displacing pain, distracting from pain, distancing from pain, all of those things tend to just prolong the pain and add interest. You know, it's ironic that avoiding pain can actually, in the long run, cause extra pain. But thank God I don't do this anymore. God bless therapy. I love being self-aware. I love facing like uncomfortable things head on instead of avoiding them. Like I, I wouldn't say I love it, but like it's it feels empowering to do so. And so that's what I do now is like bring on the discomfort, bring on the pain, bring on the uncomfortable conversations and taking accountability, yada, yada. So I'm airing out my dirty laundry here so that you guys know that it's not about perfection, but it is about self-awareness. So you don't have to be perfect to start dating, but maybe try to like not be a full-on hot mess. Like maybe be a cute mess. You know, maybe just like a little untidy, maybe dump the suitcases on the, on the ground, right? And like sort through them a little bit, put a couple things away, put your toothbrush away, you know, at least before you get back on the dating scene. But let's say that you are completely over your ex, like you've taken some time to process, you've processed your shit a bit, or maybe this is even your first time like getting out there and start dating in the queer scene. And you're feeling like you, yeah, you do. You want to start exploring. You want to start dating. You want to start seeing if there's someone out there who might be something serious, someone right for you, like where to begin with all of that, right? I think the first step is to get over your fear of rejection. Because as our Lord and Savior, Dita Von Tees, once said, you can be the ripest, juiciest peach in the world, but there's still going to be someone out there who doesn't like peaches. It is what it is, and it's not necessarily about you. I know that's hard to hear, right? The world revolves around us, you know? It doesn't. But it, you know, sometimes it feels like that way. But the fact of the matter is you just might not be someone's type. You might be in a different place than they are. You know, like they might want to just be hooking up and have something casual and not be in a place to like really have a committed relationship. And that's what you want. You want a relationship. You want a girlfriend. They might be dealing with a crazy ex or they might be the crazy ex. You just never know. So if someone isn't into you, it's not the end of the world. And you might have just dodged a bullet. Mm -hmm. That's a thought. That's a thought you can have about rejection. I do think because our dating pool is so small as queer people that it can feel like the end of the world. Like you finally found someone you think is hot. They slide into their DMs and they leave you on red. Ah, stab me in the heart. Why don't you? But not everything is about you, baby. You don't have no idea what they've got going on in their lives. So don't take it to heart. You know, the fear of rejection can absolutely paralyze us so that we never actually make any of the moves it takes to get a girlfriend, just hoping and praying that one will fall into your lap or onto your face. What is probably not going to do it. You know, we all know what thoughts and prayers do not much. You got to actually put in some work out here on these streets if you don't want to stay on the streets. You know what I'm saying? So getting over the fear of rejection can help. And aside from a little sting to your ego, you're still fine. You're in the exact same position you were before. You're single, you're you, you're great, you're wonderful. And that person just wasn't for you. Okay, now that you're fortified against rejection and you're ready to get out there, how the hell are you supposed to meet other gay girls? I have no clue. Just kidding. But I will say it's not always as easy as we would hope it would be. Womp womp. One of my degrees is in marketing. And when we discussed marketing to the LGBTQ plus community, we found that lesbians and queer women are nowhere and everywhere. Do lesbians go to the beach? Of course they do. Are they at coffee shops? For sure. Are sapphics on social media, in bookstores, at Target, at the Springs, at Disney, on vacation? Yep. 
Sure are. But there's not necessarily one easy place in which we can go to target them all at once, you know? However, there are a few places where you are guaranteed to find the gays. One is at queer events, LGBTQ plus events, queer women's nights at gay bars, that sort of thing. And another is online slash dating apps. I have a theory that dating apps killed the lesbian bar. And while that sucks, it also shows the power of dating apps. No longer do we have to go out into the world to find a homo hottie. We can just be sitting on our couches in our sweats with our unwashed hair up in a bun, binge watching The Witcher and swiping through all the available queers in the tri-state area. So while dating apps definitely have their cons, they do have some pros. And girls get out of relationships and back on dating apps all the time. So you'll never know who might pop up on Hinge or Bumble or whatever this week who wasn't there last week. You know what I'm saying? A friend of mine has met her last three girlfriends on dating apps. Three. She got three whole ass girlfriends off of dating apps. Well, the middle one was like dating app adjacent. She found a girl she thought was hot on a dating app. She swiped. They started talking, chit-chatting. And then as one does, she went and lurked the girl's social media. And then that girl, it ended up kind of fizzling with that girl. But on that girl's social media, she posted a picture with her friend. And my friend was like, Who is that? And of course, the girl was tagged. So she went to her Instagram, slid into her DMs, and boom, got herself a girlfriend. Speaking of sliding into DMs, social media is a hotbed of sapphics, bisexual babes, and queer women. However, you might have to be a little sapphic sleuth. Because it's not always easy on social media to tell whether or not someone is queer and single. You might have to pull a Nancy Drew to figure it out. Do some scrolling and lurking to find out what the T is and to see if she even lives in your same city, which actually has never stopped lesbians before. You live 2,000 miles away? Great. Bags packed. Let's do this. Again, our dating pool is smaller, so sometimes you gotta cast that net wider. (laughs) But even if you can't tell if someone is queer, etc. on social media, but you still think that they're hot, follow them. Slide into their DMs, comment on their TikTok, reply to their story, comment on a photo from 142 weeks ago. Do what you gotta do, babes, because fortune favors the bold. And if they never see it, they never respond, they never follow back, oh well, who cares, right? But who knows? They might. And if they do follow you back, make sure you put something really cute, like right away, okay? So they have something to alert to, you know? Give them a little thirsty trap. Give them a little thirst trap for their enjoyment. You know, if they follow you back, boom, immediately post something cute. Got it? Got it. Also, just a pro tip, keep an eye on those like hidden inboxes or those like requests, like your request inboxes, because sometimes there are hot girls who want to date you hidden in there. You know, they slid into your DMs and you never saw it because it was in that hidden whatever. So pro tip, keep an eye on those. Got you. Okay, now let's move on to how to meet girls offline and in real life. The most obvious places are the gay bars, gay clubs, and LGBTQ plus events. I'm in a unique position because I'm in fishnets. Well, not currently, but I will be. (laughs) On stage is leading a troupe of queer burlesque dancers in a bunch of gay bars. So it's a lot easier for me to meet women because I see hundreds of gay girls every single week. But so can you by coming to our shows or by checking out your local gay bar or gay club. It may not be exactly your scene, but it is where the gays congregate. Can I get a gay man? Gay man. But if you're in a town or a city where there aren't really gay bars or the ones that exist are mostly full of gay dudes and they definitely don't cater to queer women, so like most cities and towns and states and the entire fucking world, (laughs) or if the club scene like isn't really your vibe, you don't prefer to be around drinking and alcohol, whatever the case may be, there are still LGBTQ plus events and organizations that are spheres for the queers. Spheres for the queers. I love that. I'm going to put that on a shirt. I'm going to put that as our tagline. We're spheres for the queers. 
It's like planets that are gay. Anyway, also I mentioned in my very first podcast episode that uh, I'm completely sober, that I've never had alcohol, I, I've never done drugs, etc. And a few people reached out about that, that they wanted to hear more about that. So if you are interested in that, let me know, and I'll put together a little episode talking about the sober life and what it's like for me working in uh, the nightclub scene, being completely stone cold sober at all times. Anyway, there are plenty of LGBTQ plus organizations that host events across this great US of gay. So check them out, go to a few of their meetings, go to their pop-up events, volunteer. I recently married a couple when one of the babes was on like the board of volunteers for a queer nonprofit and her future wife showed up to volunteer. I guess it's worth mentioning here as well that I, uh, I'm i also a wedding officiant and I've married over uh, 20 couples at this point and Something I always ask them is to tell me how they met, to share their love story. And through volunteering through an LGBTQ plus organization, that's how this couple who is so meant for each other met that they may not have otherwise, they could have been ships in the night, you know what I'm saying? A lot of couples I've married have met on dating apps, some through mutual friends, and like plenty have met through gay bars and LGBTQ plus events. And like I said, queer women are everywhere. I sit in a lot of Starbucks's, Starbucks I? Starbucks's, Starbucks's. And I see gay women coming in and out all day long with their iced lattes. So spend some of your time hanging around in coffee shops, bookstores, going to the flea markets, dog parks, brunch spots. Lesbians love to brunch. We love dogs. We love brunches. We love lattes. You know, just keep an eye out and be ready to offer to buy a cute girl her coffee, you know? Even if she turns out to be straight or whatever the case may be, she might have a cute queer friend who is just your type. You just never know. That's what I'm saying. Fortune favors the bold. So when you get out there, you never know what your the risk that you took is going to lead to. Another thing that I highly recommend is hanging out with other queer people, having queer friends, even if no one in that particular group is necessarily your type, you never know who someone might bring to the function, right? So you might have a barbecue and they bring their bisexual friend who is like, your dream girl. Let the people in your circle know that you're actually like available, that you're looking, that you're single, ready to mingle and let them play matchmaker. And once again, like even if those dates, those like blind dates that your friends set you up on don't work out, she might have like a gay cousin or a bisexual bestie who is your future wife. You just never know. You just never know is what I'm saying. So take those risks, my friends. It's the circle of lesbian life and let it work for you. Okay, okay, okay. So now that you've like maybe found someone that you're interested in, that you want to flirt with, how do we flirt with women when women are terrifying? Women and non-binary hotties can be so intimidating. So let me help you, my little les. But remember, I prefaced this episode with reminding you that I'm not cool. (laughs) Just remember that. Remember that I'm not cool. But I also reminded you that no one is cool even if they're pretending to be cool at a gay bar. They're not. They're not actually cool. So if you feel intimidated, that's okay. Most of us feel intimidated. And also remember, rejection is just a part of life and it does not speak to your worth or your attractiveness. I have seen very hot women get rejected. I know. It shocked me too. I was like, what? But yeah, very, very, very hot women get rejected. Don't take it personally if you can. Or even if it does sting, like you'll survive. Just don't internalize it. Don't like make it more than it is. Don't make it about you. Don't make it about who you are, your level of attractiveness, like your personality. It's not about that. You know, I don't want you guys getting down on yourself if you get rejected because that helps no one, including you. And confidence is very, very attractive. And so if you can kind of just accept the fact that rejection is a part of life and don't let that shake you, you're going to be much better off. And once again, you never know. The girl who rejected you romantically might end up turning into a great friend who introduces you to her bisexual cousin who becomes your, your future wife. Like, you just never know. 
try to maintain a positive outlook on things. And even if you get rejected and it feels like a punch to the gut, like get over it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So something that I think is a challenge with dating women is ensuring that the dynamic is flirty and not friendly because we don't want to accidentally friend zone ourselves. And it's easy to do because we've been taught our entire lives that girls are friends and also competition, but that's a conversation for another day. And it's just sometimes so easy with women to get chit chatty. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, wow, I found a great new friend and you're dying inside. Not to say that starting off friends is not a viable option. I've known plenty of girls who started off as friends and then they later on fell in love. But for me, I think it's easier to have the tone set with like romantic intentions instead of trying to change the dynamic later on. Because lesbians and queer women do fall victim to lesbian bed death, which is something I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. And if you're not on the ace spectrum and you want to have a like physical and sexual romantic relationship with someone, I have found that it's better to not have to like claw yourself out of the friend zone to get to the bedroom, you know? So starting off with clear intentions of romantic interest, typically for me, works best because having that dynamic so you don't have to shift it later on is just it's just easier and it's so so much easier to like just be friendly with someone than it is to be flirty and so I think a lot of people friend zone themselves with without taking bold risks and by bold risks I don't mean very very bold I mean literally just flirting <laughs> we queer women are like oh my god I have to do what you're telling me I gotta I gotta talk to her nope never mind I'll be celibate forever <laughs> But let's talk about flirting. You know, for me, I find that the basics are the best. Like they are the most effective. Like eye contact. Let's start with eye contact as I'm looking into the camera right now, giving you the eye contact, you know, little flirty, flirty, flirty eye contact. This may not work for everyone, especially if you are um, on the spectrum of autism. But if you're able to extend your eye contact for just a beat or two longer than you normally would, it's a game changer. Or like try to make eye contact in a group. Like even if you're not talking, try to catch their eye from across the group, like hold it, give it a couple beats, you know, a soft smile, look away, look back. It's all just a dance, a dance of eye contact. I feel like eye contact is such a quick and easy way to let someone know that you're interested. It's also a favorite of mine. I love eye contact. I love being able to like kind of make eye contact, give someone like an expression, you know, that's like a little more devious, you know, like obviously don't stare someone down because then you're looking like you're a crazy person, but it's just those few extra beats, you know, like, like you share a secret or an inside joke. Flirting 101 is all about the art of eye contact. If you're at the club or the bar, offer to buy her a drink. If she seems receptive and open to talking, ask her how her night's going, who she's there with, what her sign is. If she listens to Tea and Glitter, the podcast, that's like the new, uh, do you listen to Girl in Red is what I'm trying to market this as. If you listen to this podcast, you're probably gay. So that's, I feel like that's a good, easy in, you know, have you heard of Tea and Glitter, the podcast? It's run by this lesbian, huh? Anything? Nobody? Okay. And if the conversation is happening and she seems interested, by which I mean she asks you questions in return, her body language faces you instead of facing away, she's not scanning the crowd trying to find her friends to telepathically communicate that she needs saving. Something else then you could throw in there is a a little bit of physical touch, just a little bit, just like if it's natural, if it's easy to, you know, touch her arm when you're when you're talking to her, and also throw in a compliment. I think a queer girl tried and true compliment is something about the hands. Femmes to masks love to feel like we have nice hands, you know, and it's such a gay thing in my opinion. So if it's, you know, just say, are you have really nice hands? Like, come on, come on. 
Works every time. Works like a charm. I would say that if you're at a coffee shop or something like that, offering to buy her coffee is super, super cute, but she's probably there to get work done or to meet with friends or something like that. So I would not recommend like inviting yourself to sit down or like trying to have a longer conversation with her because homegirl's probably busy. She's probably at the coffee shop getting work done. I might be projecting because when I'm at a coffee shop, I'm typically there to get work done. And even if I think someone's cute, if they kind of like infringe upon my work time and they don't get the hint that I'm trying to get back to work, like I'll immediately lose interest and think it's weird. However, if you know you approach her, you offer to buy her a, a coffee or a refill of her beverage, whatever the case may be, and she does seem interested, you can absolutely ask her for her phone number or her Instagram. And like, I honestly feel like it is less scary to give out an Instagram rather than a phone number because you can kind of start with like DMing and chatting and it's like a less pressured option. You know what I'm saying? Which is just my opinion, like take it or leave it. But sometimes even if she might be interested, giving her the less pressure option is always the go-to in my book. You know, if she feels comfortable with a phone number, go you, that's wonderful. But she doesn't know you. She may not want to give you her phone number. She might think you're cute and like an easier way to go about like communicating. If you see her out like at a farmer's market or at the bookstore, or let's be real, when I look around my house, at the plant store, (laughs) and you don't have a lot of time or it's not necessarily a super social opportunity to sit and chat, you still have some options. Once again, eye contact. Try to make eye contact across those plants, you know? Hold it, smile, look back, do that a few times. Flirting from across the way, across the room with just your eyes is surprisingly powerful. You know, this also works like at the club or at a coffee shop. It's that like across the way, showing your interest by giving some eye contact, a little smile. And if she smiles back or if she does what I do and blushes like fucking idiot, I hate it. I hate that my face gives me away. It's fine. Whatever. I've already admitted I'm not cool. So But then it's either her opportunity to approach you or your opportunity to approach her. You know, you can either come up next to her and make like a witty comment. So like, let's say you're looking at some ferns and you're like, I've killed eight of those. How about you? Or you can just be really direct, like, hi, I'm sorry, but I just think you're so stunning. Could I maybe have your phone number or your Instagram, like whatever you're more comfortable with? You know, I personally like more simple approaches, but regardless, do your best to read and respect body language, which I know can be a challenge, especially if you know, you're know you on the autism spectrum. But take note of whether or not she maintains eye contact herself. Has her body facing toward you or away from you? If she's engaged in the conversation, asking you questions back, or if she kind of seems like she doesn't necessarily want to continue the conversation, she keeps trying to go back to her computer or whatever, she looks a little uncomfortable. Abandon ship if you feel like she's at all uncomfortable. It's my best advice, you know, because like, even if it's just because she's shy, you know, buying her a drink, approaching her in the first place, lets her know that you're interested. And then you leaving her alone instead of persisting shows that you respect her, which might mean that she'll end up trying to find you later. Or like when she's done with her work on her laptop, she might like go say hello to you before she leaves, something like that. I think women especially value the idea of feeling like their space is respected. And so If you want to approach a woman out in the wild, it's best to do it simply and without a lot of entitlement. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't sit down at her table unless she actively invites you to do so. God, I have men do that all the time when I'm at Starbucks. And I'm like, the fuck are you doing? Like, literally, the fuck are you doing? Okay, but like, if you're at a gay bar, you bought her a drink, she's sticking around to talk to you, she doesn't recoil if you like brush her arm, you know, if if you touch her a little bit, you know, casually and naturally, obviously. You know, if her body language is showing some interest, she's smiling, she's maintaining eye contact, she's talking with you. 
but you don't want to overstay your welcome or like your friends are like, hey, dude, we're heading to the Uber. Come on, come on. Tell her you would love to take her to coffee or on a date sometime. Can I have your number? Can I have your Instagram? Whatever you're comfortable with. Do not ask her to hang out. Don't ask her to hang out. That sounds like a bro. Don't do it. Ask her more directly coffee or a date. I mean, that definitely sets your intentions loud and clear. And if you do get her Instagram or her phone number, yay, go you. I'm so proud of you. You've got this. But now don't wait the stupid three days or whatever to like message or text her. Do it that night or the next day within 24 hours. Also, for the love of all things holy, please do not FaceTime or call them right away. It's 2023 and no one but psychopaths would want you to call them versus text them. And with your DM or your text, you don't have to be like the most witty, amazing, clever, like best line ever. You don't have to do that when you slide into their DMs. You can keep it simple with, you know, it was so good to meet you. You were the highlight of my night. Something simple like that. Incredible. Love it. Or you can get flirty right out the gate. Like my knees are finally back to normal after you made them weak. You know, something cute like that. I feel like that's a cute line. That's a pretty good line. You can steal it if you want. Okay, okay. I wish I could be like your Cyrano de Bergiac and help you text and what to say over DM and all of that. But I think you've got it from here. Or rather, you have to have it from here because I'm late and I gotta get going. You've got a gorgeous personality, so let it shine. I believe in you. And hopefully she responds to your text or your DM. But if she doesn't, remember, it's not always about you. You don't know what she has going on in her life. You don't know anything about that. And I really do think if we had a little bit more compassion for people and like understanding that it's not always about us and people have their own things going on, I think the world would be a happier place and we would all take things a lot less personally. You know, so there are a million reasons why she may not text back or get back to you. And so just pick the one, like, because we'll never really know. So just pick the one that, like, stings the least, that hurts your ego the least, right? You know, the fact is she might have realized that your star signs are completely incompatible. Like, she can't date an Aries. Are you kidding? (laughs) I'm kidding. Aries is is, relaxed. You guys are wonderful. I love you. But, like, she may not have done the work yet to be able to communicate directly In which case, you honestly wouldn't really want to date her anyway, right? So once again, maybe you dodged a bullet. I got to get going to a girl the party because as expected, I'm late. So we'll make the next episode, the girlfriend episode part two, where I will share some of my favorite advice for first time lesbian relationships, general relationship advice, and things I have learned dating women. Ooh, ooh, also, and for episode 10, I really want to do a Q and gay where I answer listener questions about like, whatever, me, you, life, love, lesbians, whatever you want. So feel free to send me questions now. Um, But I'll also be doing some posts on my social media, like asking for questions over the next week or two. So yeah, if you want to hear me talk about something or you have a topic or just a question, like I want to know, send them to me. We're going to do a Q and gay for the 10th episode, which I can't wait. 10. That's going to be cool. I still have to do nine, but 10. Yeah. Get into it. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and frenemies. I really don't care who you share it with, but I just want it out in the world. I am a fully self-supported artist out here. So it means a lot, so much that you listen and share my words because this podcast feels as important to me as performing on a stage. Okay, I'm going to get emotional and I'm late and I got to go get on a stage. So I love you more than glitter. Have a wonderful night. Um, I'm going to peep all of you babes flirting with the lesbians out and about tonight at Girl the Party and I can't wait for that. (sighs) Glorious. Anyway, love you so much. Have a beautiful day. Take care of yourselves. Be good to each other. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Give it a nice review if you are feeling like flirting with me. Thank you so much. (laughs) Okay, I gotta go. Bye!